Today's episode of The Rewatchables, The Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy, like the hit biographical music musical Rocket Man, and over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad-supported on-demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. Some good stuff this month uh, for free, like Karate Kid, Fatal Attraction. Head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables to sign up and start watching today. VUDU.com slash rewatchables. Meanwhile, you may forget what happened six seasons ago on season four of Mad Men, but you'll never forget a delicious BLT made with unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise. Slather it onto a mouthwatering turkey club, layer it onto a thick cheddar cheeseburger because the unforgettable creaminess. Hours later, you'll be telling everyone within earshot just how good it was. Try something new. Try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups, mayo chip, mayo cube, mayo must, and cranch. Coming up, what are you thinking? How are we feeling? What have we done to each other? What will we do? Gone Girl coming up next. Everyone is talking about the number one movie in the world. You're probably the most hated man in America right now. Did you kill your wife, Nick? Well, you bumped up Amy's life insurance to 1.2 million. Because she told me to. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. Whatever they found, I think it's safe to assume that it's very bad. Well, I thought there might be another side to this story. This just got very exciting. They're framing me for her murder. Gone Girl. Only in theaters. All right, Shay Serrano's here, Mally Rubin, Shaw Fennessy. Wow. This was uh, the last great Fincher movie. It's actually a, a truth. Will it be the final Fincher movie is a question. Is that possible? No, it won't be. Here's the run. 07 to 14, Zodiac, Ben Button. I don't call him Benjamin, I call him Ben. <laughs> Just ben. ben Button, <laughs> Social Network, Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl. Rip those off in uh, eight years. What happens? Why doesn't he make movies anymore, Sean? Because he uh, took the money from Netflix and helped launch House of Cards, which then changed the future of entertainment forever, basically. And now he's making another show with Netflix called Mindhunter. He does have a movie coming up soon, but this is per- perhaps his last theatrical film release, which is sad to say because he is an absolute master of fucked up movies. <laughs> his work has inspired the Take Hunter series at The Ringer. What more could anyone ask for? Yeah, that is true. We have that at least. Shay, this is one of your favorite villains. Yes. You did a villains podcast on your podcast, Villains. I did. And now we're doing a Rewatchables podcast. All about Amy We're Dunn. retreading the same territory, we kind can, of, sort of. We can of. do 20 of them. It's fine. <laughs> I don't care. You do the thing about the, you, you invented that championship belt thing. You pass it along from best to best to best. Yeah. Amy still has the title. She got it from Heath Ledger Joker. She's still holding on to it. Oh, wow. It's fantastic. You think Joking Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix? Why can't I speak? You think Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix is going to take it? No, I don't think so. For the new uh, Joker movie? Maybe he's the hero of that movie. We don't know yet. Mm. Definitely really? not the hero. You never know. So you think Amy Dunn has had the championship belt of best villain for five years now? I think so. Do you agree with that, Mallory? Who else is there? You know, I'd make the case for Gellert Grindelwald, but I doubt I'd get support from anyone here with me today. Absolutely (laughs) not. (laughs) Under no circumstances. Is that a rapper? Who is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not familiar with his albums? No. No? Uh, So Fincher said he wanted to do this movie, obviously based on the 2012 book. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said what he was most interested in was the idea of narcissism as a way to hold two people together and the notion of how we project the best version of ourselves, not only to seduce someone we imagine to be perfect for us, but also to have it fit into our own perfect 
narcissistic projection. Your thoughts, Mallory? Narcissism is a very real factor in our everyday lives. Mm, and I think that one of the things that I love about this film that I loved about the book so much, I, re- I read the book before seeing the movie, um, and that makes it such a rewarding rewatch is that certainly the twist, the plot, the actual mechanics of the story as they unfold are thrilling and scintillating and make for a rewarding experience. But the reason it's so rewarding time after time is because it's ultimately a story about human nature. And that never gets old. Sean? Uh, I'll uncork my theory about it right now. I, it's certainly about narcissism, narcissism, but it's I think about it's, control. I think it's much more about Ben Affleck's narcissism as a public person, and the movie is basically one long thesis about Ben Affleck's fame in a very mm-hmm. discreet way. You know, they That's they like clever. me, they love That's me, clever. they don't trust me, they hate me, they love me again. I mean, that is really the arc of Ben Affleck's career, and Fincher, who understands stardom as well as anyone knows exactly what he's doing by putting somebody like Ben Affleck in a movie like this. And so, you know, who's more more narcissistic than a movie star? Here would be my counter to that, which I think is a great theory. I think John Hamm was supposed to be the lead yeah. of this movie. He, he, and, he was talked about for sure. And I don't want to do the casting what-ifs this early, but I think, to me, it's the most fascinating thing about this movie. John Hamm, that story's true. The, he, he was going to be in this movie, and then Mad Men, Matthew Weiner, would not let him out. Mm-hmm. And it would have been, they would have to juggle, which they do with TV shows from time to time, where you film the TV show, and then you run off, and you get, like, bank out, little weekend, stuff like that. And it was the last season of Mad Men, and Matthew Weiner was like, no. Right. What does so that then mean they he, ended up he, with Affleck. He wouldn't let him out. Like He, he was in contract to finish the last season of Mad Men. But okay. what happens a lot of times with especially successful TV shows is they try to accommodate. Like on The Office, right. Ed Helms filmed The Hangover as he filmed The Office and was like filming The Hangover at night, That's all right. this stuff. And they made it happen. Jets, all that. So this movie with John Hamm is really, really fascinating. What if you could argue it would have – ignited John Hamm's career because it's such a great role and he would have been really good. It would have been basically Don Draper in a bad marriage. I don't don't think he could have done this. Would John Hamm have done the side dick? It's the only question that matters. (laughs) We need a wider lens, I think. (laughs) The only question that matters. So you know, you're down on John Hamm in this. Yeah, for this role. Why? You I think you need you need to have like an innate likability about you for this role to work. John Hamm gets in it. Nobody ever just liked Don Draper. Everybody thought Don Draper was cool. Nobody was like, this seems like, he seems like he would send me a birthday card. You didn't like John Hamm in the town? We are a um, national no, organization. No, I love him in the town. Okay. No, I love John Hamm in the town. I love him in Baby Driver. But it, for this particular role, it 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 doesn't seem like he possesses the right skill set for this thing. I would argue the exact opposite oh is true You always Nick. argue the exact opposite. <laughs> Whatever I say, I, I, you just come in the other direction. I think that you're supposed to think that you should like him. Like, rationally, the things about him are inherently likable traits, but you find something about him repellent. And I think John Hamm could swing that. I'm going the other way. Just like he could swing something else in the shower scene. Am I right? <laughs> he He's not looking swing, at me. <laughs> This is already out of control. Put put my energy towards Bill today. We're seven Uh, minutes in, and we've got dicks swinging everywhere. I think you just have to have a relationship with with the actor. And the relationship that we have with John Hamm is a relationship with Don Draper. It's not with John Hamm. And the relationship that we have with Affleck is Affleck, the public person. Would it have been a good movie with John Hamm? Sure. Would it have transcended whatever David Fincher's, like, psychological mumbo-jumbo explanation about what the movie is? Of course. Like, all movies are definable by us. They're not definable by the people who make them. So 
you know, there's a lot of things that this movie is about. It wants to be about marriage. Sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it doesn't. It wants to be about the tenuous relationship between what women say that they want and what they actually want, and likewise with men. It has a lot to do with movie stardom and kind of like, and the media and putting yourself forward. Like all of these, the movie's about all of those things. So I don't think you can just boil it down to, aren't we all just narcissists and the way that we project ourselves onto the world is the most meaningful thing we can say about this. Like it's it's bigger than that. I agree, and I, I actually think I think Ham would have been good, but I love that Affleck did this at this point of his career because he has now completed the comeback, and it's hit a point where he's just won all the Oscars for Argo, so, and everybody's like Affleck, and then this turned out to be the perfect movie for him and the perfect kind of year, and he's during the movie he's filming or starting to get ready for Batman, so his body's actually yeah. changing. He's big during mm-hmm. the movie. Um, but after this movie, you're like, wow, Ben Affleck. Great movie King star. King of the fucking hill. Yeah. He's back. And this is a movie star part, and he's basically playing Ben Affleck. I mean, there's the one part where he's playing video games, and he's kind of like sad Ben Affleck. But for the most part, <laughs> it's a charisma part, and, you know, you have to still be with him, even after you find out he's cheating with uh, Emily the Model. What's her last name? Radikowski. Radikowski. Andy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the interesting thing, too, is that Ben Affleck, we – understand to be a big star who's been around for 25 years. This is the fourth highest grossing movie he's ever made. And the other movies are basically just franchise movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that says a lot. This is a literary adaptation. It's a crime thriller. It's really perverse. I mean, it's it's honestly one of the most fucked up Hollywood movies ever made mm-hmm. in yeah, terms of the themes, the content, the way that the story is told, the way it looks. Cruising one, Gone Girl 2. <laughs> it's in that conversation. Yeah. It is really in that conversation. So it's kind of a, just an amazing achievement for the director and the, and Gillian Flynn for sure who mm-hmm. wrote the book and then adapted the book in a way that is really interesting yeah. and very different from the book that she wrote. Yeah-ish. I mean, just the general structure of the book the is, is so different from the way that the story is told. I, I, structurally, it's similar, but then this, a lot of the plot specifics are different. So, like, ultimately, the book, it's it's divided into three parts, right? It's much like the movie. You have the part that is the Nick story, and you're only understanding Amy through diary entries and through memories. Then you have the huge reveal, the same opening line in the movie and in the book. And then part three is the return. You're in their heads, though. And so by definition, you have an understanding of their motives that you cannot have in the movie. And I think actually, while in general I'm a the book is better than the movie person, I think you can make a pretty compelling case that part of what makes the movie so totally gripping is that you – you do not know no inner monologue yeah. what the motive really is. And so you're left to debate and try mm-hmm. to deduce on your own. And then that brings you into that fucked up web that they've woven with each other. Do you like Ben Affleck? Love Ben Affleck. Where, Love where does this rank top four Ben Affleck performances? Uh, it goes The Town, Gone Girl, Armageddon. Gone Girl too. Interesting. Girl. Yeah, yeah. He's great. I have a top four. I came out of this movie thinking, like, Ben Affleck is back for good. Mm-hmm. Nothing can stop this. Yeah, for sure. Whoops. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like the the wheels are completely off, but the car is definitely broken down on the highway a couple times. You have Wait, a great what? theory about his where he was at at this stage and his, his decision to take on Batman. 
I wrote and, about it. And, and, and he I, told me I was right. I always thought that that was right, too. He went for the 19-0 Pat season, basically. Yeah. And, he was and, like, my comeback's going unbelievably well. Now I'm going to be Batman. Fuck everybody. And and he blew out his Achilles in week one, unfortunately. Like he no, just it was didn't, like week eleven. I mean, it, that was just a, that was a mistake, and it derailed it derailed like a significantly interesting part of his career to make a bunch of movies that are bad. I mean, those movies are just not good. Yeah, the, what was the one the 2016 movie Live by Night? Live by Night. Yeah, well, that, so, so that was a movie that he was gonna make before doing Gone Girl, put it on the shelf, bef- so he could do Gone Girl, which is a good thing. And Live by Night has kind of interesting stuff in it but is a little bit messy. And then everything else that's around it, Justice League and Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman and all that stuff really doesn't work. And Triple Frontier and The Accountant, I like. I kind of like that as like- the, I like The Accountant. Don't, don't they like, like Men like as Batman? No. What? Well, I don't think he's a bad Batman. I, I just think those him. are bad movies. Yeah. It's not that Sean's he's a bad like, Batman. You know, he, he just doesn't appreciate the art of the movies. Okay. I, listen, part of this is when you're, you have kids, you get older, you want to impress your kids. Mm-hmm. Like if I was a movie actor- Absolutely. Whatever Ben Simmons liked, I would be like, I'm going to be the star of that movie. My son's going to be really impressed because you just, that's what yeah. it becomes about. Yeah. So I think these guys all get sucked into that. I think one of the things that makes Affleck so unique and, and in my opinion, special is that he could be the guy from the town and the guy from Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard to be action guy, but then also guy in this really fucked up erotic thriller husband where I shouldn't be rooting for him, but I am. Only a handful of people have been able to do it. Tom, like I don't, Tom Cruise, Paul Newman. It's like a very but short list. do you think list. Tom Cruise could have been in this? Oh, I think Tom Cruise is, is, as Nick Dunn is amazing. Really? Yeah. He's a little, maybe a little short. He, I, there's something about the bulkiness of, yeah. of, does, of Affleck. Tom Cruise doesn't work. You think Clooney could have so. been in this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but 15 <laughs> years ago. Yes. Yeah. I don't think Cruise works because this is something we talked about on the Villains Pod a lot, but one thing about Nick is you, whether you're rooting for him or not, whether you like him or not, you have to be able to convince yourself that he can keep up with Amy. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. to mm-hmm. like that is essential to buying into to their dynamic, and I don't know that you would believe that Tom Cruise was that yeah. savvy. And, and, and no I think, shade of Tom Cruise. I think in addition to that, you need somebody in this role who y'all mentioned like he's already a bigger guy. Even when you see him on the poster, he's like got his back turned and his, his, his wide shoulders. You need to see that person rolled over and have his belly exposed, and it needs to be like feel like a substantial thing. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is four foot eleven. It's not going to work. George Clooney's a little too skinny. Like you need that mass. You need for him. You need to be surprised that he's so vulnerable and like so just exposed at this moment. And would have played video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't see Tom Cruise like sitting down for a video game. You don't I think, think Tom Brad Cruise Pitt is been a good? Battlefield Three guy? No, I don't. <laughs> the other thing um, Fincher said was that he had a chance to create a story where he could have a movie that was a mystery, then could have then hand the baton off to the absurdist thriller. And then hand the baton off and become a satire. And he'd never seen that mm. before. He wanted to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then he says it was different than what we actually shot. But that was why he took the movie. He was like, oh, this is interesting. This is three different movies in one movie. But then now it happened. He gets close on all of those things, though. Yeah. I think a lot of the criticism of the movie was that he didn't land the satire. That it got too ridiculous. And I never agreed with that. I always I, – I, I disagree with virtually every review written about this movie, including Wesley Morris's, who yeah. obviously, you know, we adore him. But I, I never understood what they, what people were talking about. So the biggest, most interesting just retrospective reading about it is how he did Amy, how, mm-hmm. how he landed on Rosamund Pike. Reese Witherspoon – I'm going to do some half-assed internet research now. Reese Witherspoon obtains the film rights, right. decides to produce and play Amy, meets Fincher – I'm not sure what happens in the meeting, but Fincher's like, 
let's get somebody else. And she more normally the actor would be like, you're out. I'm going to play Amy, but somehow he Jedi mind tracked her into giving up Amy. Reese Witherspoon is Amy. No, not, not a- Reese Witherspoon riding Neil Patrick Harris and covered in blood. I, I just don't see it. No, I w- I'd be interested in seeing that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 she's, she's not um, uh, withholding enough. I think for the part, she's too there, there's something o- open about her yeah. and you never, you always know what she's thinking. I, you I don't w- always know what Amy's thinking. I was at a lunch yesterday with a friend and we were talking about this exact thing. And I, f- I think the, uh, I, d- I don't think she can go dead eyed enough. You need for mm. the, you need for everything You'll to just be this. gone. Yeah. Reese so they, spoon, just a little too likable. Yeah. These names actually seem, sometimes I never know what to believe. I'm doing casting what ifs now just cause it's important for this. They have Charlize, Natalie Portman, well, I think I think both of those would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Charlize. Yeah. Charlize would have been good. I but, Put but do we have in anything? Do we have too much baggage with her as an actress? Where now I have baggage with both actors. I, I think, think that helps Rosamund Pike for it sure. Really helps it. Uh, Portman, Emily Blunt, who I think at that point we didn't know enough about. I she think she could have been good. Yeah. Rooney Mara, who we had just worked with. Olivia Wilde, who hadn't really done a ton at that point. The weirdest one is Julianne Huff. The Dancing with the Stars lady, who apparently got far down the road. Hmm. Um, she then, made a bit at a serious acting career, and it didn't yeah, really ever didn't take work. off. So Fincher said, I thought this this is right in Sean's wheelhouse. He wanted an actress <laughs> with a Faye Dunaway type of persona. Yeah. And he said, I wanted Faye Dunaway in Chinatown, where you think this person has experienced avenues of pain no one can articulate. So he settled on Rosamund Pike. He liked that she was 35, but didn't, you didn't know if he was, she was 29 or 40. You just couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, liked that she was an only child for some reason. Sure. he felt like Amy was an only child. And then he said, Certainly. I've seen her in four or five different movies over 10 years. Never got a beat on her. Never got a sense of who she was. I pride myself on being able to watch actors and sort of know instinctively what their utility belt is. And I don't have that with Rosamund. I don't know what she was building off of. There was an opacity there. Opacity? Opacity? opacity yeah. There was an opacity there, and it was interesting. So basically, he's like, I saw her in five movies. I couldn't figure her out. She mm-hmm. was perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many directors would have seen that. I think that the natural move would have just been to get Charlize and call it a day. And be like, I have Charlize and Ben Affleck. We're good. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I mean, he's always had an eye for unproven on-the-cusp talent. You know, Pitt in seven and uh, Eisenberg and Rooney Mara in The Social Network. And, you know, he cast a, a early on Mahershala Ali and Benjamin Button. I mean, he, he's always had a phenomenal eye for interesting people. Taraji Henson, even, who just did, did not, not have a big career before that movie, he senses what people will receive about someone really well and, like, the things that we expect from them and then the things that they give us when, we, when they get on screen. So, I mean, she's, uh, she's an interesting person i mean i thought her career was going to go to a different place after this movie me too mm-hmm. uh, she was nominated for an oscar shane yeah. i liked her in jack reacher yes i like her, she's I like good her in jack every, reacher. i like her in everything that's yeah. kind of an embarrassing part though it like is. it yeah. is but it was two years before this movie yeah mm-hmm. yeah um shay do you need does baggage with a real celebrity hurt with a part like this because i think one of the reasons i like this movie is i didn't really have any baggage with her other than i remembered her in jack reacher i, I was figuring her out as an actress as i'm watching the movie yeah, it, with a part like this where you need to be, like, totally confused about a person and, like, I don't understand what's going on. Yes. It's the opposite with the Ben Affleck character. You need to root for this person implicitly. But with her, 
with this role, yeah, you need somebody you've never seen before. It just makes it scarier. I feel like the biggest role that she had to that point was um, Pride and Prejudice, right? That's right, Jane yeah. Bennett. And and guess that, what book they find in the bookshop right. where they fuck? Which Pride is, and Prejudice is that, is that in the book? Think so, but I can't. Because if it's not, and that's a coy yeah. nod to her role as Jane Bennett in Pride and Prejudice, that's interesting. And and you can't know, remember. that's Jane Bennett. Also, her portrayal of Jane Bennett is like very closed off, yep. very shaded. You don't really know what her intentions are. She's obviously quite beautiful, but she doesn't. She's not leaping out at you in the same way that through the first hour of this movie, you're like, what is it? Who is Amy? Who is this person? Listen, Jack Reacher is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you want, but that was her best. <laughs> Do you remember the <laughs> scene in Jack Reacher when Cruz comes out of the shower, no shirt on, and 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 uh. Yeah, and Rosamund Pike is there waiting for him, and mm-hmm. she's like salivating over. Yeah, like it was super awkward. Tom Cruise. There were there were laughs in the theater during it. It's a good unofficial comedy Cruise torso. That's why he couldn't have been the Gone Girl one. They had that's like right. no sexual yeah. chemistry. Yeah, that's true. So she said she drew inspiration from Nicole Kidman in To Die For, mm-hmm. Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct, the greatest performance of all time, <laughs> like greatest performance of the last hundred years, <laughs> and then. She said, I thought this was fascinating. She studied Carolyn Bissett Kennedy. So Mm -hmm. smart. To figure out how to kind of seem aloof and mysterious, but also like elegant. Yeah, patrician beauty. That got me on this whole Google deep dive on Carolyn Bissett Kennedy and just pictures of her. I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. Yeah, smart. I have no idea who that is. JFK (laughs) Jr.'s uh, wife. I still don't know. Okay. But all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other stuff. This was Affleck's second Amy movie? That's right. Chasing, Chasing Amy. Amy. Mm-hmm. Personal fave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not aging well. Not. <laughs> top, top 10 not aging well from the 90s yeah. movie. Big, big fan, though. At the time, I was like, wow. I have, a new really number, I have a new number one for not aging well. The Crush with Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. It's on Amazon. She's 14 and somebody mm-hmm. moves in. and she's, Carrie always. Carrie, they have a yeah, weird, Carrie. They have a weird kind of sexual chemistry and then she starts. Then he punch her. He punches her in yeah, that one, right? That, that, is, yeah. that is not no. age well. Uh, it's not what you want. So Fincher said he explained the character to Ben. The character is someone who gets his feet run over by a steamroller, gets his ankles run over, then gets his shins run over, his knees, his pelvis, lower back. The funny thing is that he had already been through it already. He knows what it's like to be tossed by the 35-foot waves of public perception, and he has a great wit about it. The symbol of you becomes more important than your actual participation. Mm-hmm. Affleck's really talked intelligently about this over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, he would be a great three-hour podcast about what happens What are you when, waiting for? Well, he's got to <laughs> want to do it. Um, <laughs> when people just see the Us Weekly mm-hmm. stars just like us version of you versus the actual human being who's at your daughter's soccer game and – yeah, you and- know the one who has diarrhea on a Thursday night. Like he's God. the human being version versus like yeah. the perception of the ver- of the person. Yeah, and the entire role that the media plays in the story. It's just like they're deployed to be not only just the voyeurs, but like to make you think about the cost of tragedy porn, right? They're vampires. They're Mm. sucking up every single drop of the blood that Amy spilled herself and that anybody has ever spilled. And, you know, there's that nugget out there that Fincher wanted Affleck because of the way he smiles in pictures. And that moment, obviously, in the film when he's standing next to Amy's missing poster and then later with, you know, the selfie was shot. Like, he just can't help himself. He has to try to appease. And then he has that speech to his mother-in-law about how he was raised to try to be polite. And, like, that's obviously a microcosm for 
who that character is and who both of those people are, obviously deployed in very different ways and ultimately wielded as weapons against each other. But mm. the film, more than I agree with you, it's not it's not really narcissism, but it is about identity and control. And there, there are two really scary things in life, right? One is what happens when you let somebody else see who you are, Yeah. right? How can they then use that against you? Mm. And then the other half of that is facing the fact that you can maybe never really know another person truly and fully, ever. No matter how well you think you know somebody, there's going to be a moment in your life when you have to reconcile with the fact that they have surprised you and probably disappointed you. And that's ultimately just about not only who you really are, but how you position yourself for other people. And that's why the cool girl speech is such an iconic moment in the film. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But what do you want other people to think? You know, and how do you then continue to manipulate that? Like, the core of the relationship between Amy and Nick, and, and we should say, by the way, Amy is an actual psychopath. Like, something is is mentally wrong with Amy Elliott Dunn. But... The disappointing thing for them is not actually that they didn't measure up to what they each thought the other person would become. It's not about the future. It's about the past. It's that they weren't actually who they sold each other on being. And that's a bad feeling. So it was a bad contract. You left out there's a third horrible thing that can happen to a human being. Getting your throat slit? No. 0.2 seconds after climaxing? Seeing a scorpion no. in the bathroom. No, waiting at the front door <laughs> for it happened your, one time. your food delivery order, and the guy just doesn't seem trustworthy, and, and you know what was going on in his car. I would add that. I thought you were going to say someone spitting in your Mountain Dew. Oh, maybe, well, that, that might be it, too. $61 million budget made $369 million worldwide, Sean. Nice. Fincher's highest grossing film. Also, a great IMDb description. You know I love descriptions on yes. cable or whatever. Yes. The IMDb for this is, with his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he might not be innocent. It's great. Hmm. Good summary. Rosamund Pike, nominated for Best Actress, which yeah. I had forgotten. You agree with that, Shay? Absolutely. Would you give her the title? I would give her the title this year if they let me. Um. What happened to her, Sean? Is it the English thing? Um, no, no. She's a she's a great actor. I mean, there's as we've mentioned many times on the show, there's not enough good parts for women. She's a she's forty years old, which is a time when Hollywood starts making women make the exit and rather than the entrance. And she got her big break a little bit later in life. I mean, she was in a good movie last year called um, A Private War, which was about uh, the the foreign correspondent Marie Colvin, who was killed uh, a few years ago, wrote for Vanity Fair for years and put her life on the line. It was a really interesting, thoughtful, deep portrait of this person who lived uh, a complex and hard life, and it's like a real all-in performance. And if, if a different company had made the movie, if like Warner Brothers made the movie, it would have been nominated for an Oscar, but it was a small company that made the movie. They couldn't platform it the way that they want to, so she doesn't get the break. And like so many of these things are based on, do you get cast in Gone Girl or not? You know, Do you look like Faye Dunaway enough for David Fincher or not? Well, she also... Uh she was in Beirut, the greatest airplane movie of 2018. <laughs> did you see Beirut? I did not. I saw Beirut's Hostels. good. Chris Is Ryan's it? fave. Oh, Beirut's a great uh, airplane and cable movie. Best actress that year. Julianne Moore won for Still Alice. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I should. I, I love Julianne Moore. Should have gone to Rosamund. That was an It's Time award. Yeah, that was for past performance. Reese Witherspoon was in Wild. She was getting that too. The other ones, whatever. But uh, 
I don't know. Still Alice. She was really good in that movie. I got to say, I don't, I don't have a ton of problems with that one, but I think he, I would, no. I think they're both winners. It's a close game. Yeah. It's a close one. That movie is a tough sit, man. Still Alice. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a, Oh, Blu-ray with two deleted scenes. <laughs> it's like, I never want to think about this movie again. Fincher had an interesting quote about this movie and movies in general, which I thought was just funny for a podcast called the rewatchables. <laughs> It's like flipping through the channels and suddenly you see your graduation picture. It's not fun. It's horrible. Mm. This is him talking about seeing his own movies. Mm -hmm. It's not that you're not happy, but you can always make something better. I've seen it. But at some point, you just have to throw your hands up. Movies aren't finished. They're abandoned. Hmm. And you have to make your peace with that. And then he confessed that uh, anytime he rewatches a movie of his, he always thinks about how he could have gotten rid of two minutes there, 90 seconds here, and... And just goes nuts. So, as you guys know, I worship David Fincher. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. One, there's this very famous moment in an interview from um, uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, featurette in which somebody asks him, like, why do you make movies? And he's like, well, all people are perverts. And I think it's important that we identify that and that we put that on screen. And so that's, like, my mission. <laughs> and it's uh, something that he does in every single movie if you look at it. And the other thing is that he's just a, a, a crazy control freak. And as a crazy control freak, I completely understand uh, what he's talking about. But he obviously is also driving people to greatness, but also challenging them in a way that sometimes breaks people. Like Jake Gyllenhaal was broken by Zodiac. Ben Affleck was not broken by this movie. He, In fact, it's, it was good for him to be challenged and do a part like this. But you can make the case that Ben Affleck isn't the character that really needed to rise to that standard. Mm -hmm. it, that's, that's the Amy character, you know, the one True. who— you if think he's he identifies? Projecting, yeah, all of the things that he prizes, the need to control. Ha, ha, what is the limit of your own agency, mm -hmm. right? And the ability to be the author of your own fate. That's Amy. Do you think Fincher could break Mallory or no? 80 takes? I don't, I don't you think, think she so. caves or think, she just gets competitive? I, Depends I, how I'm many not me bags of Cheetos and like giant cheeseburgers are next to me on the passenger <laughs> seat of the car. I watched her and Jason one time record two lines from a podcast for like 45 minutes. So I think I, <laughs> I think she'd be okay. I think she'd make it. I, the whole thing about the legend of Fincher and the 99 takes and social network and the 80 takes for this and mm -hmm. like 80 takes is just an incredible amount of takes. It would be like <laughs> if we did this first 20 minutes of this podcast 80 times. Yeah. yeah. I just think I would lose my mind. I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. I'd be like, you motherfucker. That last take was good. <laughs> but it's not just the 20 minutes. It's the little stuff. You know, it's every insert shot. It's every shot of, you know, the punch and Judy handle that you see in the frame. I mean, think about how many disparate parts go into making a movie like this. He's got hundreds and hundreds of shots in the movie, and he's doing those over and over and over again in, seek in search of perfection. Hmm. You know who I bet never let him down? The cat. What a good, steady good presence in the film. <laughs> good cat in this movie. Shouts I, to my dude, Bleaker. I was worried about who won the movie I, when we get to that at the end. That the alert. cat's going to be in there. <laughs> spoiler uh, alert. Let's take a break. We'll get to the categories. Hey, here's an insider travel secret from Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty rooms out there just waiting to be booked. Hotel Tonight teams with awesome hotels to help them sell though, these rooms and then passes the savings along to you. It's your one-stop shop for booking cool top-rated hotels and incredible values. Their name is Hotel Tonight. You can actually book in advance perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. This summer, you can score an extra amazing deal with Hotel Tonight's Daily Drop feature. In most cities, use Daily Drop to unlock a special deal at a hotel selected just for you. Once your deal is unlocked, move quickly. You only have 15 minutes to book. If you want to swipe again, you can unlock a new deal every day. A great way 
to take an even more spontaneous trip because you never know what you're going to get. Staycations, weekend getaways, whatever you want. Great hotel deals are just one swipe away. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app to unlock your daily drop. All right, most rewatchable scene. This is interesting. The first hour of this movie is is watchable, but it's not like it just kind of heats up from a rewatchability standpoint mm-hmm. yeah. right around the big turn. But uh, I really like when Affleck comes home and discovers Amy's missing and calls the police and everything they do where they, they show the neighbor mm-hmm. across the street and the just little stuff. Notes. Yeah, and just him looking around and then the cops come and – the lady's a little suspicious because in the back of her head, she's like, well, anytime a wife's missing or murdered, it's usually the husband. So she's kind of, they're just kind of tiptoeing around. Mm-hmm. I just like everything about the meticulousness of that scene. And I came home to this. Now, I don't panic easily, but it's weird, right? Mind if we look around? Please. How long you two been here? Yeah, I love it too. I mean, it, it makes it seem like this movie's going to be a whodunit. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not really a whodunit. But it no. sets you up for feeling like, okay, what actually happened here? We don't know. And if you haven't read the book, I imagine that the movie is like pretty shocking as the reveals come. So, yeah, I, didn't, I hadn't I didn't read, read the, the book, book. And, I had, and I deliberately avoided all the spoilers and all that. So I was shocked. Yeah. I think Next you one. also have to, with that scene, you have to kind of instantly believe that Rhonda Boney knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. Because mm. she is actually like a really central figure in the entire story right down to the end where she's kind of like your last, last life raft for thinking that yeah. somebody <laughs> might continue to Please, somebody Amy. figure this out. Yeah. And then when even she gives up, it's like a pretty devastating feeling. So when she right away starts placing the post-it notes, you know, on the little spatter of blood, the way that she looks at the iron. Like, what is an iron? It is just a part of your everyday life. It is a thing in your home. It is, by definition, an object that you don't think about. And the way that she stops and says, this is plugged in, this is on. It's by a dress that represents romance and the desire to please your partner. Something is up here, like, right away. And the two dudes are like... Yeah. I love that part. It's great. Shake get rid of your iron when you leave your house. (laughs) (laughs) The investigator will look at that right away. The uh, outdoor Amy rally with the protesters mm-hmm. is that's a fun twist. Just a really good scene with a good twist, and I like how it's filmed. It's it's just it's all building to that scene where it's really now going to turn for Ben Affleck. Yeah, and he shoots the wide shot. There's a ton of people. It feels like another bullshit. My wife's out there. I hope I can find her. And then the turn. I and love. Really I love uh, Casey Wilson. As Noel, yeah, she's great. She's really, really funny. Good. There's a whole reason I, I started watching uh, Black Monday. I was like, "Is that? I think that's her." Let me, yeah. let me watch that show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have a cup of coffee on SNL. Yeah, Casey Wilson is good as the extremely dumb neighbor who is seduced into pregnant a, a, idiot. A, a, yeah, Amy's <laughs> big plan. A lot of good shots in that whole scene, though. You know, the shot where they go to Emily Ratajkowski, where she mouths the words back at him while he's saying how much he loves Amy. A shot of Ben Affleck running away from the cameras mm-hmm. in slow motion, like an agent, like like a lumbering old quarterback, basically mm-hmm. trying to get away from the rush. Mm-hmm. The, the, that whole thing, everything is so smartly staged. So the next scene is the big, the next scene I got for rewatchable is the big reveal. I am so much happier now that I'm dead. Which happens at the minute seven mark of the movie, which is a long time. Like one, one hour and seven minutes. One hour, yeah. seven minutes yeah. in. Like some movies are like just about to get ready to wrap up. 
Like mm-hmm. we did blood sport for the rewatchables. <laughs> 107, it's like Van Damme's doing the split on the tempo and he's <laughs> just about ready to go kill Chong Lee. Uh, it's a long leading, movie. It is a long leading movie. Leading to, I went on IMDb. This is Amy's monologue. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how long it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, it's like, it's like five pages of stuff. She's narrating it. Um, but significantly shorter than what's in the book with the whole, mm-hmm. the, that's sort of the cool girl explication, mm-hmm. right? It comes in that moment too. But it starts out, I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And if I don't Boom. know the story, I think, oh, so she's dead and she's narrating this. And I hate when movies do that. Yep. And then it's like technically missing, soon to be presumed dead, gone. Still not sure. And then slowly over the course of this monologue, and she starts explaining everything she did. America loves pregnant women. as It's so hard to spread your legs. You know, it's hard faking a pregnancy. <laughs> she goes through the whole thing. Um Mal, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you read this in bold. Just <laughs> <laughs> do the whole do the whole I, paragraph. Well, I see the, the, the right away. Just do the Why whole paragraph for us. Jesus just do Christ. it. Come on. My dad listens to these podcasts. Come on, just read the whole thing because it's the I most important this. paragraph. Mallory, I vote against this. You read what you feel is appropriate, <laughs> yeah. Mallory. You do what you want. It's a free country. You can you can bleep yourself. That, I got it. All right, it's just the bold part. Yeah, the bottom bold part here or the top. This part. That whole part. <clears throat> So this is after. Well, you skipped some of the iconic lines. Keep going. Or throw in Because there's, you know, you befriend a local idiot to fake a murder. You I have hate to have that part. I hate that cetera, part so much. This is great. <laughs> this is the- uh, She feels bad for the local idiots. I do. I really, really just got me. This is the the waxing my pussy part that Bill wants me to read. No, it wasn't just that. It was the whole graph. <laughs> and for him, I'll admit, I was willing to try. I wax stripped my pussy raw. I drank canned beer watching Adam Sandler movies. I ate cold pizza and remained a size two. I blew him semi-regularly. <laughs> I lived in the moment. I was fucking game. I can't say I didn't enjoy some of it. Nick teased out of me things I didn't know existed, a lightness, a humor, an ease. But I made him smarter, sharper. I inspired him to rise to my level. I forged the man of my dreams. We were happy pretending to be other people. We were the happiest couple we knew. And what's the point of being together if you're not the happiest? Mm. Were there not salons in New York? That's, That's my basically question. the whole movie in one paragraph. A couple that learned to like the identity of being a couple more than actually being together. Well, okay. I'll take a little bit of issue with that. Okay, go. Um, What's the point of being together if you're not the happiest? How personal to get here. This is complicated. Well, don't get too personal. Uh, I once had a very interesting conversation with my dad when he, I was about to get married, and he sat me down. And uh, my dad is not the kind of person who would sit you down and give you a speech. But he sat me down and gave me a speech. And, and the big takeaway from the speech was, Sean, people change. Don't ever forget that. And I think that Nick changes a lot and in some ways gets worse and becomes a less good partner to Amy. And Amy gets crazier. It's very obvious that she becomes more insane. Now, she's doing things. We're, we're led to believe she does terrible things to the Skeet Ulrich's character, that she has a history of manipulative behavior. But these two people are changing. And they're growing apart. And it's not just that, like, there's the presumption of happiness. Because I think people that are attracted to each other when they first meet, sparks, you know, they have sex. They start dating. And then, and then they change. And they walk through a sugar cloud together. Yeah. And certainly, like, you can romanticize your memories of what it's like to be with a person. But, like... You guys know, like you put on a little bit of a performance when you first meet somebody. You're 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 pitching yourself in a, di- a slightly different light. You want to be slightly more appealing than you actually are. I don't do that on the rewatchables. <laughs> so, um, 
This is the other key to the movie where she says, you think I'd let him destroy me and end up happier than ever? No mm-hmm. fucking way. He doesn't get to win. Yeah. Grown-ups work for things. Grown-ups pay. Grown-ups suffer consequences. Mm-hmm. The battle of marriage, Shay. You yes. have the happiest marriage I know. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> it's really good. I, I don't know. I, I'm being serious. It's funny when you when, that you love this movie so much when it's like, the opposite of a happy marriage. Yeah, it's, it fun, ends with it's her fun to watch. In blood coming back. It's fun to watch and be like, I'm so glad that's not me right now. <laughs> that's how I feel. Uh, the uh, the next rewatchable scene. I just love Lola Kirk in this movie. I'm just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Incredible. She's she's the runaway Dion Waiters Award winner. Unless you want to have the Tyler Perry argument with me. Um, the pool scene. Mm-hmm. With her when they first start, and then she does the memory of uh, Affleck touching Emily's face and the whole thing, and mm-hmm. just the, all of those scenes with her, I just love. So I'm, I'm just shouting all those out. Love her. Next one is uh, Nick's interview with um, Celia Ward's character, mm-hmm. who I thought was funny, who was in The Fugitive, mm-hmm. which was also a, a wife burner thing. That's right. But that whole thing where it's like, oh, this is a disaster. He's going to give an interview, and then you actually don't know what happened, and then it turns out he does well. It was a little bit like not showing the bank heist in Reservoir Dogs, yeah. you know, where you like cut right to them in the car, and she's like, "I can't believe how fucking good you were," you know. And then we see a little bit of it. Later we get on. some later. Yeah, it comes back. Amy's return to Nick's house. It is an amazing scene. Amazing. We were watching that. Larry and I were watching that, and again, I had I had no idea what was happening in this movie. Larry had already read the book. But I'm just experiencing all this for the first time. And I see them pull up and she comes stumbling out of the car, covered still in covered blood. in blood. And I was sitting there and it's just like, this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I, was, like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Every, every four minutes, it was like she was doing something that I just couldn't believe was happening right now. Great <laughs> Affleck with the, you bitch, <laughs> in her ear. Uh, and then the last scene leading up to the TV interview, I'm not a quitter. Mm-hmm. And then their whole mano a mano thing and she does her thing and blah, blah, blah. And then cut to the twin sister just crying in the kitchen, like devastated. Yeah, that's a tough this, moment. This, this woman's a monster. How do you not get rid of this person? It's just an amazing Carrie Coon performance She's in this great. movie. My, uh, my, my pick. Wait, there are more. My pick. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you jump in, but my pick is just Amy returning from that point on. Mm. I'm never not watching that movie if this is on and Amy's about to go back to her house. I'm just in for the rest of the movie. So that's my pick. Returning to Nick, not the review. Covered in blood. From that point on, <laughs> I just love that part of the movie. I'm just I'm, so I much in. prefer the beginning. Okay. That's interesting. What else did you have for rewatchables? I have a few like smaller ones from earlier in the film. I really like his first uh, police interview. The way he's like, she's a voracious reader. You just realize how little he knows about yeah. her. Yeah. And how and, and I love that, like that kind of instant. Uh, lack of trust that's seeping in with Boney where she's, you don't know if she has friends, you don't know what she does all day and you don't know your wife's blood type and then Gil is like, you sure y'all are married? Because these you have to actually have seeds of doubt. Like for the first, as you said, hour and seven minutes of the movie, you have to believe that maybe he really did it. You I haven't have called a your wife's parents yet, things like that. I don't know my wife's blood type. I definitely I don't know like my own blood type. I don't, yeah, I don't know mine. Yeah, I don't, like when they, when they threw that at Affleck, I was like, I just kind of looked in the mirror for a second. Yeah. I don't know mine. My kids, I don't know my wife. That I don't know. That's know a tough one. Is. I don't think that's important. Yeah. You know, I don't. But it's all about just making making him feel ashamed. I can't yeah. remember my own social security number at this point. I'm going to mm. remember somebody's blood type. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think the press conference is a really good scene too because yeah. the dichotomy between Nick basically – 
saying four words totally devoid of anything resembling sincere emotion or affection for this person. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the, the iconic posing, you know, hamming it up smile. Look at that pie-eating grin from a guy whose wife is... And then the contrast between that energy and vibe and the way that her parents, and we haven't talked about the parents yet and the role they play in the story, but they go into like stump speech mode. They have all these points they want to hit. And even though her parents are, are, they have a smaller role in the movie than they do in the book, you have to understand, because you do have to have some empathy for her, that she was a commodity in her own life. Like her parents sold her childhood. And of course they have this whole list of talking points ready. They're used to turning her into something that other people can digest. Mm. And that does make you sympathetic for her. So I think that that scene is important for understanding both of those relationships. The, I mean, the Desi murder. Yeah. Like has to be, has to be in here. You just find it too unpleasant. It's really unpleasant. It's, I don't like it. I've seen Gone it's Girl. It's the most iconic scene in the movie. It's amazingly staged. Well, it's, that doesn't have to be the most rewatchable. It's, no. I mean, most iconic is there for the most rewatchable. Well, that whole, but that whole sequence, sequence where she starts, you know, where she starts essentially framing him. Right. Um, yeah. Is so, is so confusing she, at first and you're yeah. trying to figure out what's going on. When she un- the untucks his shirt and, and then he, so he's in, caught on the security cameras yeah, tucking it back in. Exactly. Yeah. There's just so many little Choices there. I don't know. That's a pretty cool scene. I mean, it's obviously grotesque. It's an exceptionally well done scene, but I, I, I don't know. I have some issues. Yeah, I've seen this movie. I don't know seven, eight times already, like front to back. Let me just watch the whole thing. And still, I watched it this morning again. And when that scene happened, when she slices his throat, I was still like, oh my god, oh god, I can't yeah. look yeah. at this. What's most rewatchable for you? I, I'm always going to be connected to the reveal scene. Me too. Okay. If, if only because again, I didn't know what was happening at the beginning of the movie. I was like fairly confident that he did kill her. And he's he's doing a good job of like kind of pretending, but not really. And we're gonna get the turn that we've seen in twenty other movies where the where he like turns toward the camera and you see his face go evil. And you're like, oh, he she's in the basement or her body's in the basement or whatever. So, so to watch that sort of get upended, and then listen to her explain everything, and you're like, you just, my hands are on my head. She has a great the great line in there where at the beginning she's like, America loves uh, pregnant women. And then right after that, she calls the the she calls Noelle a pregnant idiot, and I felt like I was like, "Do Americans really love pregnant women?" And then she was, she called her a pregnant idiot. I was like, "How fucking dare you yeah. say that?" Yeah. Like, I, she, and then the movie ends was, with her revealing her pregnancy. You oh, know, God. So the whole thing is very it's, neatly tied. It's beautiful. I think also all the seduction scenes between the two of them at the beginning are really good. They're meet cute at the party, and then his proposal at the amazing Amy uh, book party. Now, my colleagues tell me that you are not yet married. Is that correct? I'm not. Isn't it time we fix that? And then the night wasn't so bad anymore. When he sits down and poses as a, a journalist, like all that stuff is really good. And also, like, poses as a, as a journalist, harsh. Well, I mean, he's not a writer for capacity, a men's but, magazine. But as a writer for a men's magazine, <laughs> in the time when this is essentially set, like, there's a lot of accuracy about what's portrayed here. Well, you know, the interesting thing about those scenes, and it comes up in the reveal, which is also my pick for most rewatchable scenes, it's just an incredible sequence, is that she references those moments. She says, start with the fairy tale early days. Those are true and they're crucial. Right. And they are crucial because it is, it's not only the foundation for them, it's the foundation for us with them. You do have to buy into totally. believing in their love, like at all. Otherwise, you're not invested and you don't care. But the thing about that scene, it's not only the shock, and it is like, it's an all time great twist. The depths that she has gone to, mm-hmm. the meticulous steps that she has taken and the pride mm-hmm. that she feels, the vindication and the validation. 
writing every diary entry with different pens to make it seem like she wrote them over stretches of time, mm-hmm. 300 of them. And because you're you, you don't stop there. You need a diary. Minimum 300 entries on the Nick and Amy story. Start with the fairy tale early days. Those are true. That's an astonishing thing that a person would do. Watching her sit on the floor of their kitchen, a home that she never wanted to be in, right? A home in his hometown by his family that she had to go to after they had to leave their brownstone and their money and the, the fallacy of their life that they thought they opted into together. And she has an IV that she put into her own arm, draining the, her blood, and she's reading a book on the floor. Like, it's it's just this fascinating thing where you are kind of in awe. You feel a little bad for her because he cheated on her. He is a cheater. But also, you're like, she's dangerous. This is a dangerous lunatic who is willing to do things that are uncommon. I like that she takes a quick shot at him when she's, like, clean, poorly, like he would. I'm like, golly, you just, you know. Yeah. Just yes. gonna keep on going. She knows him. <laughs> Draining your own blood while you sit in the kitchen and read a book is is not even one of the top five weirdest things she did in this movie, and that's fucking weird. It's true, I mean, I, it's super I, weird. I would pay a, a certain amount of money to have somebody do just the first part of the movie, and it's just a rom com between <laughs> those two because they're so good. I think they made that rom com. It was called "He's Just Not That Into You," <laughs> and Ben Affleck was in it. What stage the best? I like his unshaven video game swoon. Mm, yeah. Because I feel like that might have happened in real life right yeah. around like 06 for him. That's a very true to life moment for yeah, a lot of people. It really is. It's good. It's like I'm just bummed out and my living room's a mess and I'm playing video games. What's the laptop for? Laptopping. That's yeah. a great moment. <laughs> um, the twin sister is great. Carrie Coon, first role ever. That mm. she's good. I actually believe they're related. Yeah. She's. Yeah. Well, they're, and they're much different than me. I think. He's 10 years older than yeah. her or something like that. She's great. I mean, she went on to be the star of The Leftovers, obviously. I like the first gathering when the lady takes the selfie with them and then turns on them. It's just mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. And, he, and I'm sure that's happened to Ben Affleck in real life. Right? Yeah. And that actress, she was on that show Episodes. Yeah, Anybody she watch on. Episodes? Yeah. She was yeah. so great on that show. I don't even know what her name is. She's really a I really funny actress. In a later oh, okay. category. Yeah. The Nancy Grace character, Ellen Abbott, that was well done. The detective team mm-hmm. of Kim Dickens and Patrick Fugit, yeah, almost man. famous guy. <laughs> He's back. He's grown up. William Miller. <laughs> Nick gives his sister the mastermind board game yes. and then admitted when he was doing press for this movie that he threw it in there as a red herring, no significance at all for his own amusement because he thinks it's funny when he's at critic screenings and they're like frantically writing down the mastermind board game and he's just like these fucking assholes I don't believe that for a second no I think it's true because that's what he said I don't I, don't, I just think that's I, I disagree I don't believe that I all think right, that's I'm a, just quoting him that's intentional and yeah. the, you had the thing about all the other board games yeah, all the board games they show three games. other games on there they show I don't even remember what they were one of them was a Ouija board though that was risk, like the last risk one. Risk was in there, right? Um, well, life of, is there, and he has that. Yeah. Oh, it was let's make that's, a deal. That's why I don't, right, let's make a let's deal. Let's make a deal is the first one, and, and that's them making the deal, like we're going to be in this partnership together. Then it was another game, and then the last one was a Ouija board, and that's like her talking to him from the dead. The reason it was I don't all believe it purpose. is because they actually do like make a direct reference in the movie, not to Mastermind, but when they're playing life, and he had, I forget the exact line, but he's basically like, life, I forgot what the point is, right? And it's this meta commentary on all, how all of these things connect. The mastermind thing is deliberate. It okay. definitely. It, what is what is mastermind? Let's bring him in, David Fincher. 
<laughs> it's a game, but it's a game about entrapment and strategy. It's a game about being being it. smarter than I, your opponent. I used to play it with my family every single weekend. Oh, that's and shocking I to hear. Yeah, right. Loved <laughs> winning. Weirdo. Um, you never played Mastermind. I didn't. You would love it. I didn't. My oh, family stopped God. playing board games with me because I cheat. I don't like to lose. I cheat all the time. There's too. a lot of like. Scrabble, like some blank tiles that were I cheat at Uno. I don't cheat. I don't cheat, but I'm too competitive. And it's I'm always no the fun banker in Monopoly. I steal money from the bank. Um, <laughs> the musical score. Yeah. So Fincher, he sent a brief to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, based upon a visit he paid to a spa, and the music was supposed to relax him, and instead it, he thought it was creepy, and the music made him feel uncomfortable. And that's what he wanted. He wanted passive and relaxing music that actually instills a sense of dread. Mission Perfect. accomplished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does feel like you're in a spa where you might just get stabbed in the aorta as you're getting a massage. It's an all-time two for two for Reznor and 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 uh, yeah. Atticus. Social network. Social network. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just an amazing. Do you think Reznor, the musical scores, is actually a bigger part of his legacy now than Nine Inch Nails? Is it at least arguable? <laughs> He's been in a lot of That's major Robert movies May. with like yeah. really standout musical scores, though. I, I think he definitely sits among the most celebrated film composers of his time, but he's still, I mean, he's the front man for nothing. Did I ever take my theory on this? Sure. In ER, I think the single best ER episode of all time where Kelly Martin's character gets stabbed by the crazy person in the hospital and they play closer to the Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. song as just the instrumentals part of it. And it works so well. I think he was like, I should just do this. I bet I would get paid. <laughs> That's another thing about the Desi murder scene. The music. Yeah, when it comes on. It reminds me of like at the end of Annihilation. It, it, I was just going to say. That sound, like it's like something, it actually feels like it's emanating from inside of your chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like if the room is filling with Yeah. And it's a sound terror. from a different movie. And that's what really takes you out. I mean, that's the, the mm-hmm. hardest left turn you could possibly take. Even more so than the reveal about what she's been doing and her plan. Like that murder is when we're like, we're in a really fucked up movie right now. Yeah, I had that in which they said best just how meticulous the plan was, which we talked about already, like the pouring wine on herself and untucking his shirt and all like the just crazy things you would have to think about to pull that off, knowing where all the security cameras are. Um, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what else is age the best? Well, I will. I just would argue that point. I think what? that that's where Amy loses her meticulous nature. Everything that she does with Nick – stems from how methodical she is. She's been planning that for since she discovered that he was cheating, right? Since she, the inciting incident, obviously they were very unhappy already and the loss of the money and the problems, but she sees him with In Andy. The yeah. And it's not just that she realizes that he's cheating. It's that he reali- she realizes that he's taken this like sacred moment in their own history, the, the lip wipe, the sugar cloud, and he's replicated this special thing, this core part of their origin story and their shared DNA. And he's done this with another woman and not only another woman, but I mean, look at her, right? Like, could there be a more threatening presence in anybody's right. life? And so she's plotting every step of that. The calendar with a, you know, kill self question mark, like every single step of that to the very end to her actual demise is plotted. The stuff with Desi is purely reactive and it's instinctual. And that's that's why actually I think the end of the movie, the part that you said is your favorite, kind of doesn't work in a lot of ways. Like even though I love the movie. I just like watching it. I don't even think about like a she thought just enjoy the entertainment. Yeah, it's great, but she ultimately thought that she could make Desi another one of her puppets. And then she realized that she was in a dollhouse that he had built for her her she was the prisoner there not the other way around and so she had to find a way to get out of that see and i it's felt sloppy. like 
I felt like she went there knowing what she was going to do the whole time. I don't think and that. No. Once no. she lost all her money. It's an interesting unanswerable question. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot to unpack about the last 40 minutes of the movie about picking nits and unanswerable questions. You see it in her face when he's doing the interview and he makes the line about the uh, woodshed. And her, she's like, oh, shit. Like, he can, he's, like Mallory said, he can keep up with me. He's right. smart. I need to get back to that. I but I that, would, That's how I feel, too. I would disagree with you, Mallory, surprise, about her being sloppy in the end. I think that this is, I think this is a, this is a good example of showing exactly how dangerous she could be. Because I feel like if anybody had enough time, if anybody had eight weeks, mm-hmm. you could come up with a pretty good plan to like fake a death. But she did this like, I, I realize right now I need to get back to him. How do I get out of this situation? How do I get out of this situation without implicating myself? And she just came up with an instant plan just but like 20 that. Some, we, some, we don't know how many days, days it was though. 20 something days pass. Right. You do know. Yeah. 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 Because she's still, she hasn't had the makeover when she's watching the interview yet. And she has mm-hmm. had the makeover when that happens. She's lost the weight. She's cut her hair. She's dyed her hair. She's used the tweezers, like all of that. So she's been, she's been putting the, the ropes around her wrist to build up the markings. That part of it is, is, is planned. It's more that like, she hasn't accounted for the question she's going to have to face when she gets back. Like, I don't think you can say that because she got away with it. But that's because the FBI agents should be jailed, not because she, <laughs> she did a good it. job. Well, she, she did a, a great a, job. But, but there, there is a complex thing happening in that sequence too. The question of you know believing women and right. survivors and the way that the FBI, which historically has not taken that approach with people who have suffered serious trauma, and there's that is a commentary on that experience, and it's like a pretty acid-dipped commentary that is coming from a female writer to put that sequence in there and to make to show that there is like a, potentially a level of ignorance happening around the examination of some of these things. It's really fraught and complicated mm-hmm. in a movie that is otherwise this kind of like You love whirling. fraught complicated I do. movies. That's I love that. Favorite, it is. That's your wheelhouse. <laughs> Any other What's Age the Best? Uh, the side dick. Just, it's a great you know, thing that happened. Wait, well, no, we're not talk uh, we about should that? we should talk about that. All right, well, you I, had two minutes. On also, side I don't. Nobody ever talks about this, but you get to see Desi's dick too when you she do. when she gets when off. She of slides him. off, mm-hmm. soaked in. I paused it. I paused yeah. it to see like is this how many dicks are in here? Um, what stage the best? So every time you lob one of these categories up, I'm going to send it in Amy's direction. I think Rosamund Pike's performance as Amy Dunn, yeah. which will live forever, has aged the best. I don't think it. I don't think anything can, can compete with that. Twincest. We had a Twincest <laughs> reference, and then we had years of Twincest on you know Game of Thrones happening along with this. Obviously, that's so. right. You know what's aged Big really era well? For Twincest is um, Affleck putting on a Mets hat. That's just some elite <laughs> shit. You know when he's walking through the airport and he puts the Mets hat on, and he wouldn't put on the Yankees hat. You yeah. know that, that great story. That's, that's just, great. I have a nitpick fantastic. about that though. Put on a Cardinals hat. You're wearing a Cardinals shirt in half the movie. Yeah, doesn't make sense. Maybe he just bought it at the airport. I like that Fincher was so upset Affleck didn't follow his directions on that. It's like, look, man, in my head, it's a fucking Yankee hat. You put the Yankee hat on. Affleck said, no fucking way. It's a great fight. arguing about it. Really great fight. Uh, I I have for what's age the best. I agree with you on Rosamund Pike and Mm -hmm. the musical score. I'm always in awe of the musical score in this movie. And then when it kicks in, when Desi gets murdered. Those are great picks. so good. I think you might disagree with me about this, but I think every single Small role is perfectly cast. I agree. Yeah. And that has aged really well. All of these people. I think it's just the twist. When I was in school, the cool thing was slap bracelets. You may not remember slap bracelets. You slap them onto your arm and then they stuck around your wrist. Very strange trend. But if you were cool, you had it. And if you didn't have it, you were not cool. 
Now the coolest things in school are Bombas socks. Bombas are the most comfortable kid socks ever. They're designed with several comfort innovations that help make them feel better than any other kid socks ever made. And they're so colorful, literally bursting with color. They even have a little colorful bee on them. And since Bombas donates a pair of socks for every pair purchased, you should get some for yourself too. Me personally, I'm looking at some casual style socks. I'm not necessarily the most casual of dressers, but that is the style that is jumping out to me. So send your kids back to school with Bombas, the socks that will keep them comfy, colorful, and ready to take on the school year. Visit bombas.com slash rewatchables and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash rewatchables for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash rewatchables. What stage is the worst? Um, now, stay with me on this because okay. I'm going to bring it around. The big twist in the middle has actually aged the worst because in the theater, if you didn't read the book, it was the best part of seeing the movie in the theater. Uh-huh. But now you you know it's coming. But in the theater, yeah. it, w- it was like a it was one of those moments, mm-hmm. and you can't recapture that on the tenth viewing. You know? <laughs> when I saw it, a guy in my theater literally went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> but you can appreciate it in a different way. Yeah. That's why I think it's aged the best. Is because yeah, I think it's both. Yeah, I just, think you put it in each category. Yeah, just like like a. The shock value of it is age the worst. Right. Like when I read, you know, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire for the 947th time, it won't be because I don't know that, spoiler alert, Voldemort's going to rise out of the cauldron, right? It's because every single detail along the way there, I can appreciate anew or see with some sort of new perspective that I've gained from everything that came after that. So That's the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. There you go. Another what's age the worst, the internet – Reacting just, to this just movie. all of the internet. Just this was one of the first times with the internet and movies, and now we've just seen it in the worst way possible with the new Tarantino movie, where people taking art and just pulling in other shit into it, and then arguing about it and using it as a way to be like, "Look at this! Here's my outrage." Um, it's. Uh, I remember specifically with this being like, dude. It's a movie about a crazy lady who tried to frame her husband and then came back to him, and it's really fucked up, and there's a lot of shit going on. And if that's it. I I think it's reasonable to say that there's more to it than that. I think it's okay to try to use criticism as a way to kind of understand society by looking at art. Like, that's a big thing in the world. It it happens on this podcast all the time. And we've we've just done it for the last hour. This was different, though. This was like, how dare you? This is irresponsible. It's like... I don't know. Art being irresponsible, I have a tough one with. It's been interesting. This is true for the book as well, but to hear Gillian Flynn engage with some of the the criticism specifically around the sexual politics of the film or of the story and around um, Amy as a character. and Which she dealt with when the book came out too, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And I think that the, you know, very simplified, boiled down version of her response to that is it's actually important to show that women can be murderous, can be violent. Anyone can be a psycho. It's not just like men in movies that are fucking psychos. That was the whole point of this movie. Yeah, I think an inversion of a certain expectation there is actually fairly compelling. Yeah, I, you know, when, when they're also, but, but the other thing there is that they're not, neither of them is a good person. That's important to say. Mm-hmm. Like, they yes. both made a ton of mistakes. It's not ne- necessarily like about measuring or grading those mistakes against each other, right? Like, does the fact that 
we debated this on Villains, does the fact that Nick cheated on Amy, which is a transgression, that is a violation of a sacred trust, does that give her the right to frame him for her murder and then yes. go on to I vote yes. Yeah. I vote yes. I said no. You know, to then go on and do everything that follows from that, which results in actual loss of life and murder, framing Desi for rape in addition to actually killing him. And then we haven't even talked about the baby. She actually, I mean, we mentioned it, but that is in some ways the most fucked up thing that she does. You know, she is bringing a life into the world. She's having a child. A person is going to be born and live and grow up in that household because she. And that person will be Satan. Refuses to let go. Yeah, this is actually this is the, the new omen. for Rosamond's baby. This is good omens. Yeah. yeah. Um, the murder is just brutal. It's age the worst for me. I just have a tough time from a rewatchable standpoint. Like, oh, cool. Here's the part where Neil Patrick's going to be brutally murdered. Do you do you know that it's about the differences in the book? To the movie with the murder scene that it doesn't happen that way in the book so they have sex obviously because she has to she has to have his semen inside of her for the rape kit examination yeah. but uh, she poisons him so she's giving him sleeping pills and then kills him off page basically so we get the sex scene some of the prep the bottle the wrappings but then there's a it's just a line about they'll find his body drained, you know, the 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 bed soaked in blood, the knife that I dropped by the floor. So it's not a it's a, a knife instead of a mm-hmm. box cutter, which is also just like less premeditated and violent. It's more like I grabbed mm-hmm. this thing in the kitchen. Yeah, it sets up that perfect moment him fall though. asleep and yeah. then killing him. When he asked Patrick Fugit how'd she get her hands on a box <laughs> oh, cutter? Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Just, <laughs> such a great. It's time. Neil Patrick Harris, the casting. And so what's age the worst for me? I just what? I think he sucks in this movie. Oh my god. I, I go flat out capital S No sucks. Why? I just think he sucks. But I don't I don't believe it? his character. <laughs> I don't believe they have any chemistry at all. I don't think he's really a good actor. I think he's a sitcom actor. I thought it was weird that he was in this movie in the first place. But I think do you think there's he's a sitcom actor, game show host? You're do you nuts. think they're supposed to have chemistry? Though? Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't that, think so. I think that's the whole well, point. How about this? Post a, put a movie actor in there. He's not a movie actor. He's great in this. Like, he's he's a, put in the other fucking dude from How I Met Your Mother. Maybe he should have been in this too. Let's he, just make it. Let's make a TV sitcom. Josh Radner as that guy. Josh is pretty Radner. funny. That would be. That would also work. I think you need somebody who. Give me at least like Zach Braff. Give me like an annoying no, guy no, that I want to no. see. I could. I just can't get out of that's Neil Patrick Harris the whole time. Mm-hmm. He's too much baggage with him for me to think of him as Desi. It's always Neil Patrick Harris. That's uh, he, my thing. He really evinces like weak, privileged, waspy, mm-hmm. yeah, cornball. He checks Good. off do that all with Toby, Do that with Tobey Maguire. Do it with a real the actor who has gravitas. Tobey Maguire no. would work. This right. yeah. But I think you, you're not supposed to think that they have anything resembling sincere organic chemistry. So this is a person who has been obsessed with her forever. It's also right a reminder. I just think that he's bad. I think he's outacted in scenes. That he's may in be scenes true. Where it's like, but he's she's just like, not on a, he's not that, a Fincher actor. That's but that's true. But she's also supposed to outclass him. Yeah. This is the best performance we've seen in whatever. It's American. I'll have my own opinion. You're you're entitled. (laughs) You're entitled to that opinion. Uh, Another what's age the worst. What's Morris's review? I can't wait to next time I talk to him. Oh, you wrote this down too? Yeah. Oh, wow. I remember reading it after the movie came out on Grantland and being like, 
I'm with Wesley nine out of ten times, and this is the tenth. This is a brilliant piece of movie criticism. Oh, it's great. It's a, just with a bad opinion inside of it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it, this piece was nominated for National Magazine Award. It's incredible film criticism. And he the things that he wends into the piece are astonishing. It's great. It's really sophisticated. I disagree. It's just he walks away being like, this movie's not good, which is insane. It's so obviously good. At at Rembert's wedding, I'm going to argue with him about it for a good hour after I have three (laughs) drinks. Casting what ifs. We did most of them except uh, Wait, can I I add one to the what's age the worst? I I would like to add because I wrote this down. And my notes, what's age the worst is Bill Simmons saying that Neil Patrick Harris was bad. (laughs) (laughs) That that was also my what's age the worst. Uh, Casting what ifs. Fincher cast Emily Ratajkowski on recommendation from Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. It's amazing. I have multiple ellipses in let's, my notes after I wrote that down. Let's uh, move to the next category. <laughs> Honestly, shout, shout out to Ben Affleck. That's just dope. He saw that video and he was like, let's put that person in the movie. That's awesome. Be like, Mallory, I have a new idea for a football writer for us. It's Emily Ratajkowski. <laughs> She's going to be covering uh, the NFC. <laughs> She'll be great. Let's do some podcasts. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. Best that guy, a.k.a. Mm. the Joey Pants Award. It's got to be Patrick Fugit, right? He's that guy from Almost Famous. Mm. Do most people know it's Patrick Fugit? There's a, f- there's a handful He's of them He's grown in, up in this, Almost though. Famous guy. Who would you go for? Well, Missy Pyle, I think, who plays... Ellen Abbott. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. the Nancy that's Grace good, type. You know, yeah, she's, that's she's in a lot of stuff. That's a that lady. She's a that lady. Um, I mean, Boyd Holbrook is in this movie? Yeah. For one minute? But he's transcended that status now, right? Yeah, he's yes, Boyd Holbrook. Yes, but yeah. the, when you see him in the movie, you forget that he was in the movie, so you, it takes you back to when he was at that No, guy. you're right. It's the right. Nancy Grace lady, because I have I had no idea what her name was until you just said You it. see yeah. Boyd, and right away you're like, sure, I'll, let, I'll do meth with you. Why not? <laughs> yeah. I um, had this is where I had the Shauna Kelly character, the yeah, Kathleen, Kathleen Rose, Rose Perkins, because yeah. she's an episode. She's in Colony. She's in You're the Worst. Oh, like Colony too, you've yeah. seen oh. her on a lot of TV shows over the year, yeah. and she does have one of those faces. Where you're like, oh, I definitely have seen her in something. What was it? It takes a minute. When I saw her in episodes, I was like, this person should be really famous. She's great in episodes. Why is she not a big comic actress? And she's great in the one minute that she's in of this movie. Casey Wilson for me. She's it, she's no, she's, she's Casey famous. Wilson. I feel like if you're an SNL cast she's member, SNL. yeah, I didn't know that. Saul Rubinek, they knew a word. That's for, where we bring in Casey Wilson. For best overacting. <laughs> yeah. I had Casey Wilson ass. I had Rosamund Pike. Kind of goes for it like two times. Like ratches it up maybe 10% too much. But I'm, I think Casey I'm Wilson. I'm the cunt you married speeches. She's yeah, really, she's, bringing she's getting it. after it. Um, the Neil Patrick Harris Award for Why the Fuck Are You in This Movie? That wait, goes to Neil Patrick Harris. Wait, wait, wait. Oh I just God, created that, that right now. Why wait, are you in this? We're going past Scoot McNary. On 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 either heat check or we haven't done DN waiters. Oh, yet. we haven't. No, okay, okay, okay. It's a crowded DN waiters. Okay, field. sorry. Very, very. Tyler Perry, who I think qualifies, is only in like four scenes. Okay. Casey Wilson, my personal choice, Lola Kirk, mm-hmm. who I can't believe is also what is what is she? Jemima Kirk. Oh, and oh, Mozart in the Jungle. Yeah, it's Jemima Kirk's sister too from yeah. Girls. Um, and who'd you have? I mean, Scoot McNary is Tommy O'Hara, the boyfriend who mm-hmm. Ben Affleck goes to visit, and he tells the whole story of their encounter. That I mean, one scene. It's that is literally a heat check. You yeah. know, you do know your wife. Exactly. Yeah. That great line. Um, that's a harrowing, weird, intense scene. 
Scoot like keeps doing this. He did mm-hmm. this in Once Upon a Time in America too, where he's in like ninety seconds of the movie. It's like Scoot McNair is a pretty famous actor at this in point. The but Hollywood movie, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who do you have? It's it's obviously Emily. <laughs> I met Nicholas Dunn when he was my creative writing teacher at Mill Valley. Why is she dressed like a babysitter? I am deeply ashamed of having been romantically involved. Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. Are you kidding? I, her entire performance is, and I, I say this with nothing but respect and sincere admiration, standing in the snow so that Ben Affleck can rub her lips, sitting on a couch so that Ben Affleck's, Affleck can take her dress off and passionately rub his face against her ample breasts, <laughs> mouthing things to him Fuck at you. the vigil, yeah, then or getting asshole. dressed up in like Schoolgirl innocent that part's outfit. Great. We should have mentioned that to go earlier. on and do her press conference. conference. Yeah. So weirdly, there's actually like range in the performance. The pouty thing it sure is. She's she's the the fodder for like the absolutely incredible exchange about the underwear between Nick and Go. It's like you're dating someone who doesn't even know where she keeps her underwear. <laughs> like that, that whole thing is just so incredible. She's my pick. Uh, I'm t- going Lola. Tough one. I like, for us to I like Tyler. Tyler Perry in this. <laughs> I, I, did, I, just, I just think it's so funny. What a likable performance by him. It's so he's funny great. that at the end he's like, fucking, she got you. What yeah. are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? That, there's a great, Wesley has a great line that's uh, in the piece that he describes the Tyler Perry performance as one long, y'all white people are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Half fast internet research. Affleck researched and studied several men who were accused and convicted of killing their wives. He paid particular attention to Scott Peterson. Mm. that's a tough one if you're just married to Ben Affleck you're like what are you reading yeah. oh the Scott Peterson book you're kind of <laughs> like okay cool dude um, <laughs> cool dude <Yeah. laughs> on set one day Affleck changed the lens setting of a camera an almost indiscernible amount betting a crew member that Fincher wouldn't notice Affleck lost the bet as Fincher brought up why does the camera look a little dim mm-hmm. Fincher fucking maniac who do you think Fincher identifies with more Nick or Amy Amy. 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 Who do you think Gillian Flynn identifies with more, Nick or Amy? Nick. Nick. Yeah. That's why this movie works. That's exactly why. There's a Nick and there's an Amy. The bar restaurant is now a real restaurant, exactly where it was filmed Mm -hmm. in Cape Gerardau, Missouri. We mentioned the Yankees thing. Um, First time Ben Affleck had done full frontal on screen. Fincher said he wanted to be like a European movie, warts and all. I would would quibble with that and say it's not not full frontal. It is... Side frontal. Side frontal. Side frontal. But I appreciated it nonetheless. But a kind of a revolutionary moment in side deck. Was that a thing before this? Had that ever occurred to you? Jason pointed out that they do this scene, like a version of this in in a Batman comic. You see like the side of a Batman dick. And then you see a real Batman dick. So. <laughs> you think that, so you think it was ultimately Affleck's idea since he had been reading up on Batman to prep for Batman? I think it was like a hat tip to it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. A dick tip to it. <laughs> <laughs> we When we were thinking of ringer names, SideDick.com was That's one right. of the five yeah. finalists. Yeah. So we didn't, never came through on that. It was taken, unfortunately. Shay had been sitting on it. <laughs> I had no idea what this means, but Fincher shot an allegedly incredible 500 hours of material over the 100-day shoot, which is an average of five hours a day. Apparently, that's a lot. Yep. Rosamund Pike claimed that per Fincher's request, she and Neil Patrick Harris spent two hours on set completely alone rehearsing their sex scene. I also saw a report that she had practiced that scene with a Dora the Explorer doll. 
Fun. Don't know if that's true. Jesus. <laughs> she gained and lost 13 pounds three times to play the character at different times in her life. Hamburgers and malts to gain the weight. Exercise with a boxer for four hours a day and ran five miles a day to lose the weight. So that's why her weight goes up and down. It mm. actually really does. Um, in the scene when Nick pushes Amy against the wall, um, <laughs> she said around take 18 of getting my head bashed against the wall, I literally saw stars. She felt like she had a minor concussion. That was her doing that? Jeez. Yeah. Jeez, you should have got I the never, Oscar. I never know how they fake that when somebody's head hits the whatever like that. Because obviously Fincher's like, we're not faking stairs. this. What do you guys think of that moment in the in the movie? I was shocked. I was 100% shocked. Um, and then even more shocked when I find out it was a lie. I think it's, oh, you mean no, the staircase. No, but that's the real one. Right. No, you're this talking about the, 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 one the, real the, one the one at the end. The one at the end. Oh, yeah. Throws her against the wall. I, I think it's very purposeful. Yeah. And it's meant to indicate that Nick is not off the hook here. No. Nick is a bad guy. They're He's not a good guy. Forever. Yes. And, is, and they have something is. between them that is fucked up. And you should not feel pure sympathy for Nick in this yeah. moment. He's still got something toxic. I agree. I think he needed to. Uh, Flynn admitted the gender-related critical response affected her. And uh, she hovered under her covers and said, I killed feminism. Why did I do that? I did not mean to do that. And then she got over it. So there you go. Apex Mountain. Rosamund Pike, I think, is definition sure. of Apex mm-hmm. Mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's Fincher's Apex Mountain? We decided social network, right, for him? Got to be. Right. I honestly changes all the time. It's, um, social, it's, social, it's social network. network. Yeah. That's the best movie of this decade. Every time I watch one of his movies, though, I'm like, that's the best one. <laughs> Except for Benjamin Button. I still don't get Benjamin Button at all. I don't really know why he did that. That one's not perverted. I don't think it's the best movie of the decade, though. You know whose Apex Mountain this wasn't? Neil Patrick Harris. Because he fucking sucked in this <laughs> movie. Stuff beat. Um, Is this the Apex Mountain for uh, Mountain Dew? Oh, it might be. Prominent it ever product been placement. Like, there's a lot. The, the whole they spit it though. Do you think they well, paid for that? You know, that part's tough. But we get we're really focused. Like, there's a lot of, of junk food. You know, part of the reveal is the shopping montage, the hair because she's going to do her whole makeover. You get the little mini donuts. We see the hamburger later, the Coke, the Cheetos, the Fritos in the pool later on. But Mountain Dew is the one we linger on. There's the it's been poured into a glass so that we can see the spit, and yet the bottle is still there. Mm. You're thinking about that Mountain Dew for a while. Like and then when she sips it, she's like, mm, mm, I like that moment yeah. a lot. I like, I like that, she, that she's not going to let any any slight go unpunished from now on. That's right. That's true. I think Cape Gerardo, Missouri, or wherever the fuck this was. Cape Gerardo? Cape Gerardo? Definitely Apex Mountain. <laughs> Picking nits. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go here right now. So Amy's this meticulous murder framer. She spends three years framing Ben Affleck and writing diaries and different pens and everything she does. She's a lunatic, a, a type A maniac lunatic, absconds to this hotel room, starts gaining weight, has this whole plan. Can't figure out how to hide her money. Yeah. Like but- Josh Berlin in No Country for Old Men, who's a fucking moron. It's like, yeah, I'll put the money in that vent and push it through and has like a plan. And she's just like, ah. His plan I'll just have a money belt. So he got it. He left the hotel, and then he died. I, I understood this very clearly when I watched it last night. What's happening with this? And maybe this is obvious if I explain it, but um, it's the first time that she's ever been confronted with anything that is actually hard in her life, and mm. she has no experience with the real world. She's a super privileged person, and she has no idea what it's like to sleep in a place like this. She has no idea what kind of people she's going to encounter. She's really isolated in her like fancy New York community and then she's very isolated in Missouri 
And it's the first time she's kind of on her own with scurrilous people. And she doesn't really consider the fact that someone would try to rob her and that there was no expectation. And when she drops the money the first time, it's like a kind of a shocking reveal a little bit. You know, you can see that there's like a little, there's a flaw there with her. But she, even then, she's still not totally sure that someone would take advantage of her because she's the person who's always taking advantage of someone else. I disagree. I see. Yeah. Okay. I disagree. Because I think it's a fuck Because up. see her, she's ready to get out of there yeah. when they show up. Mm-hmm. And also, you don't hide the money. You keep the money on you. That's what she did. Her mistake was getting excited about getting a fucking hole in one during miniature golf. Well, that's the best place to have the money is on you. What kind of a money belt falls off when you jump six inches in the air? That was one of my picking Mm. nits, too. Like, the nature of how it's revealed to them And why is she playing miniature golf with those two fuckheads? What what is she gaining out of that? I think she's just getting comfortable. Yeah. You know, she's getting comfortable in her new life. She slipped up. Sloppy. Amy had it. She was right up to the miniature golf. She made that (laughs) long putt. Her whole thing unraveled. Maybe you're—are you going to go—are we going to go into her suicide plan? Is that on your picking nits list? Because it's related to this, obviously. I just think she loved herself too much to ever actually kill herself. Right. I never believed that. that. I think I think she was going through the charade of that, but yeah. yeah, she's too much of a fan of Amy. I agree. That that would that was exactly my take. Which is like, I don't. Why was she going to kill herself? She wanted to get away with this and then have a victory lap for the next twelve years right. about how she framed this guy and how fucking awesome it was. Um, we talked about how incompetent the FBI was. Very tough. How do you get, you just. Amy's like, I'm the question tired. Is, I need like, like how, how is she not there for seven hours being interrogated every step of the way? They just like, oh, she seems tired. Let's let her go. She's covered in fucking blood. Right. The, you, the question is asked, but not by the FBI agents. How do you get the box cutter if you're saying that you were tied up the whole time? Yeah. You just have to press on that point. You have to. But like they don't on purpose, like Sean was saying. I really, I also just really like. After she knows she's won and she knows she's defeated Boney and she gives her that look. Like, mm-hmm. I know you know that I know that you know. Mm. I just, it's fucking Amy Dunn, baby. Amy Dunn. Careless. Let's take a break to talk about Luminary. It is a new podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. I'm excited about it because it's the only place you can listen to the newest show on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's called Break Stuff. It's the story of Woodstock 1999. Definitely a podcast you cannot miss. This was one of the uh, iconic disaster festivals, really the fire festival of uh, the late 90s, but way worse. Uh, along with Woodstock 99, Luminary gives you access to a bunch of other original shows from innovative, dynamic creators you can't find anywhere else, like Hannibal Burris's Handsome Rambler, Wisdom from the Top with Guy Raz, and the Rewatchables 1999. I think we've done at least 10, right? How many have we done, Craig? I think nine. Nine? Yeah. All right. Well, we have six more coming later this fall. It's on hiatus right now because we want you to listen to Break Stuff. But the Luminary app, free to download, listen to thousands of podcasts on there, including this one, whether you're into music, TV, and film, comedy, sports, whatever else. Luminary has the right show for you. Check out Woodstock 99 and so much more. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash Simmons. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash Simmons for two months of free access. Luminary.link slash Simmons. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. This is an, a question really for, um, for everybody who's ever seen this movie. Would you ever in a million years sleep in the same house with Amy with the door unlocked ever after this? 
Like Ben Affleck's like, nighty night, let me tuck you in, Ben. <laughs> Her saying, let me tuck you back in is. is let me tuck you back in. I'd be like, you, you can tuck me back in, but you're going to leave the room and I'm going to double lock the door with the double lock that I just put in. And you're not going to get in my room while I sleep. In the, in the I, I would have three locks. I, I love the moment where he holds the cat yeah. in the second bedroom. Like, I'm going to control something. Protecting I would never sleep again. I would just, I would be like Josh Brolin in, uh, in No Country for Old Men, just in the door with the giant rifle. <laughs> there's, a, there's a line in the book, like he describes it as like, it feels like sleeping next to a spider. Like you're just always afraid that you're going to get bitten. I would hope so. She's a fucking murderer. Yeah. She has a the great line when he's like, was there really a baby? And then she's laying in the bed. She's like, there can, there can be. be. And she pats the bed. Yeah. Like, what's, what's going on? But this, this is going to be my hottest take of the whole yeah. of the whole podcast. I, I would be in. I would be like, you know what? Wow. Come on. She really loves me a lot. And if she doesn't really like genuinely love me a lot, she's going to pretend to love me a lot. So like, all right, I'll make a life with you. Shay believes she in love. All, she did all of that stuff. I don't think that... Nick thinks for a second that he really loves her. No. Or that she loves him. It's though the, the the thing that makes the the interview that he does that that makes that whole sequence so good. It's not really what he does. It's watching her watch him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and the chin moment and knowing that she's wearing he's wearing the tie that she got him, the watch that she got him. Because like what was the the theme of the Scoot McNary scene? She was just trying to craft me this whole time. And that moment for her watching that interview, the reason to your point that she convinces herself to go home it's 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 twofold she's lost control of the desi situation or thinks she will and she sees there proof that she can still make nick the the thing that she wanted to make him the Mm -hmm. whole time and that he does really know her as well as she was always hoping that he would and that's not love but it's definitely recognition and sometimes that can be enough at least for these two people that's enough for me and also She's very clear with her rules. Like, do these things and nothing is going to happen and everything's going to be great. I'm like, all right. Like, if I know what to do, then I'll just do what I'm told to do. Be a prisoner in your own home for the next 18 years. So frame someone for a murder and you have Shay's love for life. (laughs) Well, let's try to understand what would have happened if Nick had left. What are the ramifications for Nick if he is like, I'm out? Now, is it a fear of exposure of some things that he had done? Okay. No, I just – I. You're less worried about that and more worried about she's going to do something. Like she's going to kill me? She's going like to kill my yeah, sister. She's going to figure that somehow. The, yeah. It's the I'm baby. I'm going to pay for this somehow. It's just the baby. I mean, that's the right. only, that is the only thing that makes him stay because he— Is it? Yeah. But I feel like there's an ambiguity at the end that he, he wants, wants to, to be, be with her. He there's w- something sinister going on in that conversation yeah. with Margot where you're like, does he actually well, want to be with sometimes her? Sometimes it's just two people who like kind of hate each other, but also they're, they're like— I need to be around. It's this like in, in Cruising, the most fucked up movie of all time. <sighs> he's shaving in the mirror at the end, and you don't know whether he's actually gone all the way or not mm-hmm. with his undercover yeah. gig. And I felt like it was the same thing with this movie. I have no idea if he's actually now in with this marriage because it seems like in. he's in. Definitely. In. There's, I think there's a difference between um, affection, love, connection, whatever you want to call it, and an addiction. Right. There's definitely an addiction at play that the two of them share. But the baby is the thing that brings him back into the point where that can then kick in again. Mm-hmm. I don't think that happens otherwise. And I think that is, again, while I think in general I, I enjoy uh, the movie as much as or more than the book, one of the big uh, changes that is for the worse in terms of understanding the characters is not making Nick's dad a character. Like he's in it for 30 seconds. You don't get any of that history. And that history is essential because Nick's, char- Nick's father was – 
a cheater and was a misogynist mm-hmm. and wasn't a good father. And so he, like, this defining presence in his life is the fear that he is going to become that, that he doesn't know how to appreciate and treat women because of the lessons that he internalized from watching his father. And so what does he want to be? He wants to prove that he can be a good father. That's important to him. And Mm -hmm. he wanted that baby. Remember, he was the one who wanted to have a child. Amy didn't. Best quote. Wait, wait, wait. There are more nits to pick. Oh, go. I can't believe no one else mentioned this. Neil Patrick Harris. I'll be happy to bring it up. (laughs) No, we talked about that once or twice. The night that they meet, they're at the party. Cute talk about wheat beer. Great. Walk through a sugar storm. You kiss. Great. Things are going well. Fine. You go back to an apartment. You hook up. Great. Nick is going down on Amy. Yes. And does not remove her underwear. I think that's a thing, though. He's just, but it's not like a, oh, I'm just like making my way around your body for a few seconds and this is all part of exploring you and the foreplay. They are fully in the act. Like this is, if you look at the headboard, there are handprints, sugar handprints everywhere. Like they've been going at this for quite some time. He is down there. We have the the classic framing of the scene where her leg is up to block his face so that we can't actually see her nudity in full. And then we get the reverse angle from her perspective, which, oh, Nick, oh. And he's just like, hmm? you know, lifts up her underwear to look at her. And it's like, you've just been doing that for 10 minutes? Just holding up her underwear? Take when, them off. When she, what are when, you doing? When she has sex with Desi, though, she also has her underwear on. <laughs> that's because she's about to make an escape. I know, but maybe that's like a thing that just everybody knows about her who has been with her. I just think I think you just got to open your mind to different techniques. You know, everybody's different. They've got different strategies. Sure. Who, who knows what's going yeah. on with Nick? It's Dunn. a weird. He's been working search. at a men's magazine. Who knows what kind of advice they're giving in those magazines? Men's magazine. You know, you never know. Okay, I'm gonna call picking it on that okay. one. What, maybe one more picking it. So oh, that, I got a few more. That was oh, a great. A okay. That was a great knit you just picked. I just don't like that when Nick is sweeping up the broken glass in the kitchen. Bleaker, the cat, is sitting on the stool. Like he let him. Walk through the broken glass to get uh, to the stool. Well, that that That's helps out him, him being a bad character. He did, and he's in general quite nurturing to him. You know, maybe, I don't like that he leaves him alone. Bleaker take him, cat. take him, take him with you to Go's house. Be with your animal. But that was that was very upsetting. I also the moment where Nick is like sold on Tanner Bolt fully is because <laughs> Tanner finds the Tommy O'Hara gives the Scoot character, who then. 12 seconds later in the film says out loud, I can't get a date because when women Google me, this is what they see. So the thing that sold you on an $100,000 retainer lawyer is that he could Google a guy. Anyone can find this guy. He's a registered (laughs) sex offender. What? We already talked about the Mets hat. Should have just been a Cardinals hat. Doesn't make sense. How did the money belt fall off when she jumped in the air? I don't understand that. And then the media training with Tanner Bold and Nick. The, the gummy bear scene? I like it. It's there. It's 10 minutes before the interview. Yeah. What have they been doing for yeah. the last, like, that's a good, handful that's, of that's days? That's the last run-through. That's Another that's good no, it isn't. Run-through. It's the first run-through. <laughs> Very clearly, the first run-through. And then this has really always bothered me. It just Amy covered in blood during the FBI interrogation. Yeah. Like, wash it off? Wash it off. It's disgusting. It just doesn't make sense. They would want her to be comfortable and clean. The fact that she is that committed— to the bit is a, a movie a making sign. flourish in an effort to get yeah, the blood to run off of her when they go in the shower. It. That's that's all set up for the shower. Not so, a fan of it. And then no one hears when they reunite that 
she says kiss and then and during the inner no one hears what he whispers to her when they reunite and then no one hears during the welcome home event kiss me on the cheek and then no one sees that he doesn't do it i enjoy that <laughs> i think that reveals the falseness of the whole presentation that the a lot of this is fake life is fakery one more picking it are you done you have I more am. i'm done that was a great list thanks man it's a good list i love one, this movie one more when they have the fight about the money mm-hmm. and she tells him that her parents took most of the most of her trust fund, and she's like that. You know, almost all of the million dollars, or is almost a million dollars. And he says, "Oh, that was almost all of it." And then later on, we find out that they took eight hundred and seventy something thousand dollars, which means in her trust fund still she has over a hundred and twenty thousand dollars at minimum. Y'all are not poor, like at all, like fucking relax about the fucking depression or whatever, mm-hmm. like job depression. Fucking, you got money, you're okay. You're buying fucking laptops for laptops. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fake version of struggle. Their whole life is a fake version of struggle. It's what they imagine. I mean, they're living in a basically a McMansion in mm-hmm. in a suburban neighborhood in Missouri. Mm-hmm. You know, that house is fucking beautiful. There's yeah. French yeah. doors in the, on the upstairs Lovely. segment. You know, there's all that these built-ins along the hallway. Like, you want to move the ringer there? That'd be great. Not to Missouri because fuck the Cardinals. But Cape Girardeau, <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> I like doing any podcast with Mallory, her insistence on using the name of the pet and not just calling it the cat, which really any normal human being would do is be yeah. like, and then their cat. And she's like, Bleaker the cat. Well, the, <laughs> the, you identify the. I should note, though, that the actor's name is Cheeto. Okay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great performance uh, for Cheeto. What a just a, a yeah, Cheeto. He has such a presence about him in every scene. Also, you should email like, Cheeto's agent. And tell him. Well, don't you really wish like you could this. talk to Cheeto? He witnessed everything. He did. He sees it all. Can't see it all. But what do you got next? <laughs> Best quote. <laughs> We're not allowed to do anything from the Amy monologue. Um, my favorite non-Amy <laughs> quote is: "I swear, you people are the most fucked up people I've ever known, and I specialized in fucked up." She had me stripped naked, stand in the shower. I swear, you two are the most. Fucked up people I've ever known. And I specialize in fucked up. You and Amy under the same roof? Tanner? It's just great from Tanner. That's a good high school yearbook quote. It's good. Like if somebody puts that in with the one asterisk on the three U's, that's a statement for on the high school. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm out. What else do you have, Mallory? I'm, I'm allowing you four. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I, then I, they have to go. So I have like 15. <laughs> so All right. We're I'm running out of time. Down. I'm going to do, I'll do mine. This is, this is at the very end of the movie. This is, after we've seen Amy just do a hundred insane things. Yeah. And her and Ben are fighting about the baby. She tells him about the baby. And he says, I want a blood test. I want a paternity test. And her response to that. I love tests. Amy, you can teach fucking, me. Good I, one. I, I, I laughed out loud when that Amazing happened. I, Amy. I just couldn't believe it. Good one. That that was what she said. That's my favorite line of the whole movie. I love tests. Your, your favorite isn't fun fact for the readers. You have a world-class vagina. No. No, no. one's going to pick that. <laughs> No one? No. no? I love tests. Imagine <laughs> saying that to your fiancé in front of reporters. It's an astonishing moment. It's quite a flex. I really like, um, uh, Mallory's got three now, more. Well, I, got we more? can keep talking about the vagina. You know, we no, know how hard not, she works for it. That's not one of my four picks. I was throwing uh, it out there thinking maybe one of you were going to pick. The the opening, the opening moment of the movie, Nick's whole, said, yeah. When I think of my wife... I always think of her head. I picture cracking her lovely skull, unspooling her brains, trying to get answers. The real payoff is the primal questions of any marriage. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? What have we done to each other? That is an incredible Mm. 
opening note for the film and a pretty poignant thing to spend a little bit of time thinking about in your own life. I really like that. Unless you're the Serrano's. You're like, I can't believe all the great (laughs) stuff we've done together. (laughs) It's true. Um, What else? I like, um, the one I was trying to think of was, uh, I was with you before we were even born. When Margot oh, and Margo. Nick are talking at the Go end. Go has a lot of good lines. A lot of great. Go yeah. is down. I, yeah. I love when Go is like, I thought writers hated cliches yeah. when she's dunking at him about the affair. Uh, 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 we talked about this moment already, but when Go says at the end when she's breaking down and Nick is, is you know, telling her that he's going to stay with Amy, that they're going to have a baby. And mm. the way that she says you want to stay with her is really devastating. Yeah. That is a sad, she's sobbing. sad moment. Yeah. Another good, really well acted. Another good Go win is when they're, they're listing all the places that um, Ben has had sex and uh-huh. they do the, the woodshed. And she's like, why didn't you just get a hotel? And he's like, it shows up on the statement. Why didn't you put it on Andy's? And it's like, it goes to her parents. And she just goes, ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Margo does have a lot. Everyone knows that complicated is a code word for bitch. Um, <laughs> That's great. I mean, the the perhaps the least believable line of dialogue in the whole movie is a sister saying to her twin brother, I don't know what you can do. I know what you can do. You can go home and fuck her brains out. Then you can take your <laughs> penis and smack her in the face with it and say, there's some wood, bitch. That was, Imagine a, a sibling moment. saying that to you. That's a tough one. Kind of lannister I like, um, <laughs> I like the exchange between Boney and Gil about how Amy is funding Nick's life. And the, the line when Gil mm-hmm. says, no, but it is humiliating. That's a really good line and a really good moment that gets to the, a lot of the, the heart of a lot of the, their, not only their interpersonal dynamics, but the gender politics at large and what, what can make a man feel uh, emasculated in his relationship. I think that's like a, that's a, a succinct but important moment. I, I, of all of Amy's lines, I think the one that, oh man, there are so many good ones. The pregnant idiot, idiot one. It might hurt you, but it is. Invite pregnant idiot into your home and plier with lemonade. It really is exceptional. Invite pregnant idiot into your home and plier with lemonade. I think my favorite Amy one, though, is he actually expected me to love him unconditionally. Mm-hmm. That's crushing. But Nick got lazy. He became someone I did not agree to marry. He actually expected me to love him unconditionally. Then he dragged me penniless to the navel of this great country and found himself a newer, younger, bouncier, cool girl. (laughs) That's tough. Could this be made as a 10-episode Netflix show? Yes. Yeah. I think the answer is yes, but it would have to be two five-episode seasons. Would you rather Fincher made this or Manhunter? Mindhunter. Mindhunter. Just choosing this, the, is, a, this, this is, is a, a series versus Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mindhunter is a better idea for a series. Okay. I think Gone Girl is a better idea for a movie, and it works great as a movie. Yeah. Probably unanswerable questions. Would Amy returning to Nick's house in front of the cameras, how many YouTube views for that clip? I'm going to say like 25 million. Oh, easy. Mm. Easy. That's like the craziest clip of all time. Yeah. That may be like 125 million. Yeah. Just hey, by did the, you see that clip out of the lady the covered the in blood? Day. This is a national story at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Rosamund Pike said there was rumors of a Gone Girl sequel and she'd be interested in. What mm-hmm. does a Gone Girl sequel look like? Maybe that's the 10 episode Netflix show. Yeah. I mean, the further adventures of Amy Dunn doing crazy shit is basically what it would be. Inevitably, she would have to do something else. She would have to orchestrate The internet would else. not like it. Here the it internet would be very upset. It. Gone Girl 2. Rosabon, Ben, and the, the baby. It's right. Yeah. daughter. Damien Omen, baby. They're at a carnival. Son. They're at a carnival. They're walking back to their car. 
they've just gotten some snacks. Rosamond is like, oh, I, I need some mustard for my corn dog. She goes back. When she goes back, some cartel members drive by. They <laughs> shoot up the place. It turns out Ben Affleck was had a bad drug deal with a cartel. Kills the kills Ben, kills the daughter. And Son. this also could be Dead of Thieves. I was, no. was going to say, is, is this a Dead of Thieves crossover? This is, this is the movie uh, Peppermint. I just watched the movie oh, yeah. Peppermint with Jennifer Garner. <laughs> it just fit. It all fit. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to go, the baby got kidnapped. No. And it was called like Gone Boy. <laughs> and it was like a five-year-old nice. kid That's kidnapped good. at a carnival. What's their kid's life going to be like is one it's of the, be fantastic. the great on it. They're going to be really good at soccer and they're going to get into an Ivy League school. It's, those two things are going to happen for this baby. Again, I'd like to state for the record that Amy, when we say Amy is crazy, it's not, we're not using that word in the like casual, euphemistic way that people sometimes use it. Amy is like, ha, is a psychopath. She is the star of season four of Mindhunter. Yeah. yeah. Amy is a <laughs> psychopath. She's a crazy person. So I don't think that child's life would be, uh, would be happy, Ivy League soccer or not. Um, Did no one hear them fuck in the bookshop? That's one of my unanswerable questions. There's a person very close by, right? What would you do? Well, if I heard? Oh, same. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Walk away. Take some books out. um, Look and then put them back and go. This question's just for Mallory. You guys can stay out of this. Should we leave? No, you can just (laughs) stay out of this. Was there any fluffing? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> okay. I've been wondering about this. Okay. Had to be a little bit, right? How much time do you think it took? He's like, can you give me 30 seconds? So how how graphic do we want to be here? Well, that's why I told them to sit this out. There's no... Um, gravity is still at play, not, right? Like right. We're hanging down. Term. It's a rise and fall situation. It's obviously a rise and fall situation. We're on the back end. We're on the back end. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Well, I don't know what y'all are talking let's about. Let's bring him out, Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> ben, would you like to demonstrate for us yeah. right now how you pulled it off? Uh, who won the movie? No more unanswerable questions. No. We got to end this. Who won the movie? Rosamund. I always say Fincher when we do Fincher movies. Bleaker um, the Cat. Because uh, this is his most successful movie ever. Mm-hmm. And it's in 2014 when movies are no longer successful at the box office. And he basically drops the mic and then goes out and makes television and gets all the money in the world from Netflix. Also, Fincher, um, it's important to note this. I should have said it at the top when we were talking about him. Obsessed with Alfred Hitchcock. Obsessed. If there's this great documentary called Hitchcock Truffaut about the book Hitchcock Truffaut, Fincher is talking in it. He's never He never does interviews like this. He talks at length about what he loves about Hitchcock movies, how he studies them. This is a Hitchcock movie. It's more fucked up. It's got more blood. It's got more sex. It's got more dick. But it's a striking blonde. It's a scurrilous, tall, handsome movie actor. It's got a lot of uh, changing sense of who we should trust and who we should not trust. It's it's pure Hitchcock. And it's his ode to these Hitchcock movies. So to me, it's Fincher. I also love Fincher. You've convinced me. I just, feel like, convinced me. I just feel <laughs> like... Convinced me. I just feel like the part... I feel like the part was incredible and... I think four or five actresses would have at least scored 50 points with this part. She's exceptional. It, maybe it's She's a shared win for them and for, for Bleaker the Cat. I just will say I can't believe we didn't do an unanswerable question on Tanner Bolt's two guys that he keeps mentioning. I got two guys. We could have done a whole 30 minutes on them. Something to look forward to next I forgot time. one more unanswerable question. What 
What happened to Bleaker the cat? He's he still around? Thriving. Yeah. What? Yes. He's good? Great. He probably ran away and got hit by a car. <laughs> Why would you say that? What's wrong with you? Uh, that's it for the rewatchables. Shame, Mallory. <laughs> Sean, this is a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks to Vudu, a leading streaming app with a library of over 150,000 titles available to rent or buy, like the hit biographical music musical Rocket Man. Over 10,000 titles you can watch for free on their ad support on demand service. Enjoy everything from the latest Hollywood blockbusters to your favorite indie films without subscriptions or contracts. Fatal Attraction, whole bunch of great ones. Head to voodoo.com slash rewatchables. Sign up, start watching today. VUDU.com slash rewatchables. Thanks to Hotel Tonight. They share incredible deals at cool hotels you actually want to stay at. Scored an extra amazing deal with Hotel Tonight's Daily Drop feature. Unlike a special deal at Hotel Selected just for you and snag it within 15 minutes. If you want to swipe again, you can unlock a new deal every day. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app to unlock your Daily Drop. Watch this feed because we're on a little bit of a rewatchables run right now. We might have a couple more coming later. Uh, Until then.